0: Friends, I was so enjoying preparing this sermon for you all. I went down a rabbit hole, and I did something I usually never do, and I gave this sermon, too late to get it into the bulletin, but I gave this sermon a title, and it is Epiphany, A Brief History of Biblical Time. And I told this to my family who teased me and said, you're basically going to be giving a 20-minute bootleg version of Stephen Hawking And I have no background as a physicist, but I went down this uh, rabbit hole of researching time, and in particular biblical time, and I want to share some thoughts with you. You could say that the Bible has a fixation with time. I think approaching 1,000 passages in the Bible begin with something like, in those days, or at that time, or the very emphatic combination. In those days and at that time, (laughs) occasionally this is left open-ended, much like we might say once upon a time, but other times the scriptures give you which time exactly based on historical markers. In the days of Hezekiah, Deborah, Deborah the prophet was leading Israel at that time, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, or in the timeline of a very specific person, in her third month, or in her sixth month, or when he was 100 years old. Biblical time has two main types based on Greek words, chronos, from which we get chronological time, and kairos, the right time, often the time God has decided that the situation is ripe and ready for something important to happen. So we have time as it marches on, and time as God breaks in and disrupts the march of time for a new purpose. Essentially, Kronos is something you can count, but Kairos shows up always as a surprise, based on a timetable only God can see. But God also wants us to see and understand God's perfect time as well. So even before people were formed out of the dust, Genesis tells us about the importance of these markers of time. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser night to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. From the beginning, God had ordained that stars would mark sacred times for wise ones who would know what they meant. Wisdom herself, to help us understand, was also there from the very beginning. We hear these words, The Lord brought me forth forth as the first of his works, says the wisdom woman, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. She says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. Wisdom Woman herself was there beside God from the very beginning to help us understand. We also hear the echo of the beginning from the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, the earth was a formless void, and the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. And in the Gospel of John, the story is retold. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, that Jesus also was present in the beginning. So time has a clear beginning, and throughout the prophets we find out that time also has a current state and a future. The prophets have the job of both reminding the people of the promised future and reminding them how they need to live in the right ways in this present time so that they will Go into that future of hope that God has invited them into. Our story today, I think, if we hear it again, is also about time. Chronos and Kairos. So let's, at the beginning of a new year, listen to this ancient scripture about the wise ones and hear it anew not only as the story of Epiphany, which the children just helped us tell, but as a story about God's time. From the Gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. Do you hear the importance of time in this story? If you were given a paper and pencil and asked to draw a picture of time, what would it look like? I think almost all of us would draw a straight line. It might have some hash marks on it, and you could put certain dates on it. You could plot the passage of time, chronos. It is a good tool we can use to put things in order. My children's first kindergarten assignment was to make the timeline of their short lives, five years long, with pictures to go along with their hash marks, a picture of their infancy, some in their toddlerhood, and then, of course, the wise age of five. And they could fold up that piece of paper, but unfold it and have a timeline. Time passes in a straight line, we like to imagine. And I'm sure you can think back to high school or college days studying history. It's a very effective tool for knowing which things came in what order. But what if our idea is a myth that doesn't come close to depicting time at all? What if it distorts the way we understand God's created cosmos and the passage of time? And what if the planets and stars in the sky that our Creator has given us for measuring and understanding time have given us a clue? something that ancient people and most non-Western people still follow today? What if time, rather than resembling a yardstick, resembles something more like a circle? You might have heard of the Wheel of Time, or you might be familiar with the Aztec Sun Circle, which is an ancient calendar. And what if this cyclical time, which, of course, follows sunrise and sunset, or seasonally, year after year, and certainly we see that time in many ways does repeat itself, but we never end up back in the same place. It does not return to where it began. So what if it's more appropriate to understand time as something like, do you know somebody with beautiful ringlets? Something like a curl, or like a corkscrew that spirals and spirals, spinning and spinning. Or the scientific term is something like a vortex, like a whirlpool, something that spins in a circle but is always either cycling up or cycling on. You might say, wait, time certainly proceeds in a line. It has a beginning a middle, an end. We are born, and we live, and we die. No matter what, we cannot go backwards. We always go in one direction. And we experience time very much plodding forward. But I think it's possible that this is only a half-truth. And I think the reason we need to question it today is I think it makes it harder for us to live as people of faith. Our understanding of time is shaped entirely by our culture, and when and where we live. From the earliest times, I think human beings experienced time as chaotic. They didn't understand it, but they knew they had to to survive. So they had to decipher the rules of the sun and the moon and the stars and the seasons. Some archaeologists just discovered and deciphered what they think is a calendar alongside some of the oldest cave paintings, that those animals that are depicted aren't just for the pure enjoyment of art, but that they marked the birth cycles of these animals according to the months, and that was some of the first calendars that they would understand life cycles of animals so it would help them in hunting. And they had to understand when was the right time for planting and the right time for harvesting so that they could survive. So for millennia, time was a circle, until we came up with this understanding that it might be more measurable like that in a straight line. And I think that this was something of a very modern invention following the Industrial Revolution. I think we tried to codify and count not just days, weeks, months, and years, but control even minutes and seconds. We developed train schedules and time sheets, production lines, And lunch breaks, and like so many other God-given gifts, we have manipulated them in a post-industrial age so that time has become a commodity. Think of factory workers or CEOs turning a profit from the devalued time of their workers. We can imagine time can be bought and sold or owed to somebody when someone can become rich off someone else's time. Rather than, as I imagine the ancients did, having a shared task that needed to be undertaken by a team of people who could work together toward a common goal in a way that honored the gifts and skills of each and ends when the task is over, so that all might enjoy what we now call free time, I bet they had no understanding of free time. All time was free. All time was a gift. And I think now it can be a tool of oppression or stolen or misappropriated. These ideas of time only began to be shaped and understood in this way in Europe in the Renaissance and changed again during the Industrial Revolution and can be continually distorted, driving a wedge between rich and poor. So I think, as people who care about justice, we have to stop and ask ourselves, did we get it all wrong? What shape should time take in our own imagination? Can we liberate ourselves from time as a yardstick and a commodity so that we can live in the way God calls us to live, to transition from only a chronos-centered time to kairos, when God can break in. So again, back to the stars on this Epiphany Sunday, remembering the wise ones following the stars. People ask how fast the earth or anything might be moving, and they have to ask—this is from the Scientific American— How fast something is moving is incomplete unless you ask compared to what. So we might think about one day as a full rotation of the Earth on its axis, or one year, happy 2023 by the way, as one full rotation of the Earth around the Sun. But it doesn't work this way, it doesn't just spin on this one plane. You have to consider the movement of the Earth's surface, the Scientific American tells us, with respect to the planet's center, but then also has the whole Earth spins around the sun, and the whole sun is spinning so rapidly around throughout the galaxy. Our solar system, Earth and all, whirls around the center of our galaxy at some 220 kilometers per second, or 490,000 miles per hour, hurtling through space. So when we think about the movement, the sun is like a comet dragging planets in its wake as they orbit. Like this endless spiral I was describing, all of it hurtling, flying through space, circles upon circles upon circles. So how does this help us live as spiritual people? Well, our lives follow these patterns as well. Not time marching on indefinitely in a straight line. We are not on some course of steady progress, but we are in cycles of development and correction. We fail and we change. We mourn and we rejoice. We bury and we give birth. We make sacrifices and reap rewards. We build systems and see we've made a mistake, and we break them down again. We search and we discover. We ask new questions and begin that search again. And God is always the epiphany that is always waiting for us to come home to. God is always ready for us to have that moment of encounter, just as the wise ones followed that star. So here's a quotation from Yancey Strickler, who says, this is a hopeful way to look at time. Seeing time as a spiral creates forgiveness. Even as we move past a challenge, we should expect another version to return. But this awareness gives us permission to grow, without demanding perfection, and opens up the longer journey toward mastery. Our struggles simply mark another loop on the climb." And I'm reminded of how the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King famously told us, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Progress is not an ultimate destination, that this arc is truly bending and will circle us around and again propelling us forward. So instead of seeing progress as linear, seeing it as a spiral, frees us from a trap. And from the artist's way, you will circle through some of the same issues over and over, each time at a different level. There is no such thing as being done with an artistic life, or I think we might say, any life. There is no being done. Frustrations and rewards exist at all levels down the path. Our aim, the artist's way tells us, is to find the trail, establish our footing, and begin the climb. Anyone who has moved through something painful knows it does not progress sometimes along the myths we are told or that we tell ourselves. Have you heard of the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance? And I wonder who here would say, that their experience of grief looked like that at all. It might be more like one, two, three, four, two, one, three, five, two, four. It does not progress in a straight way. And if we can free ourselves from thinking that we plod along and grow at the exact same rate, we will see that the, these cycles are still growth. We might circle back, but never quite to where we started. We are still moving forward along the spiral God calls us forward into. And as people of faith, one more level to stitch on to this, and again, I am so far out of my depth here, but time does not function only in this linear way, even if it is a spiral. A spiral doesn't fully capture how physicists would would explain time. It is more like a fabric. Surely you all know the expression, a wrinkle in time, and I think most of you are familiar with the concept of space-time. I believe that God functions on this wider plane of space and time as a fabric and invites us again and again throughout a Christian life to understand it in that way. I think when we come to the communion table, we are invited to be in communion with people beyond every time and every place. Do you remember us saying that? In communion with the saints in heaven, in communion with those all around the world. For God's space and time do not separate us from one another. We are always knit and held together in God's eternity. There's an understanding in physics called eternalism, that present is one moment. But both past and future still exist in such a real way. Just as the children on Disciple Road are no longer in the same place as we are, but they still fully exist, and we are held together in God's love. Those who have gone before and those who come after still fully exist in God's reality. And in a life of faith, we are all held together, always held in God's love. So, friends, we are entering this journey of a new year. What will it bring? May we follow a star, but may we liberate ourselves from any myths about what our timeline might be. We are following a path with no map, eyes fixed on that distant star, but seeking that inward understanding, following decisions made from God in a dream just like the wise ones, continuing in our spiraling development, always returning and returning again, but never exactly to the same place, and always changed. Just as the Gospels tell us, the wise ones encountered Christ and went home. They went home changed by a different way. May we see that God's recreative, regenerative powers continue on day by day. And may we trust in the God who leads us forward. May we know the freedom of loving a God who begins anew. And the words from the prophet Isaiah, our other scripture reading for today, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The light always continues to break upon us in a new way, just as it did in the beginning of creation. Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Could it be that God chooses A new expression just as of the very first moments of creation, out of the deepest night. It is time for you to begin again. Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of God has arisen upon you. It is time to begin again. Amen.